This season of Feminist Frequency Radio, we're bringing our feminist media criticism live to video. That's right. If you would like to see us as well as hear us talk about all things cyberpunk, you can do that at youtube.com slash feminist frequency. The audio quality on the videos are not quite as good as you get from our professionally edited podcast, but you do get to see our shining faces. So, you know, your call. We also have live video of all our bonus episodes with our special guests, which are only available to patrons. So get in on that fun at patreon.com slash femfreak. Now enjoy the show. Hey, y'all, you know, we're a nonprofit, right? That means we rely on donations from listeners to keep this podcast going. So if you have a couple of dollars to spare because every dollar counts, please consider giving at patreon.com slash femfreak. Also, fun fact, in addition to the perks that you'll get as a Patreon subscriber, your donations and contributions on Patreon are also tax deductible because we're a 501c3. So if you want to learn more, if you want to give, please head over to patreon.com slash femfreak. But the fact that in this movie she had to narrate everything because that's how movies like this work made it feel so stupid (laughs) where she was like he wants to meet irl in real life oh oh this symbol looks familiar Mm. (laughs) (laughs) just click it welcome to feminist frequency radio this is the show that asks you to be critical of the media you love i'm angela bennett And I'm Ruth Marks, and this season, our feminist media criticism has found its way to the worldwide web of online conspiracies. This is the season of cyberpunk. Mr. Deckard, Dr. Eldon Terrell. The new millennium. This is amazing. Will bring a new experience. How do you fit all that in your head anyway? I had to dump a chunk of long-term memory. This is going to be fun, Terry. Who is this? Take this thing out of the case and stick it up your nose. Mozart's ghost, the hottest band on the internet. This week, we are discussing the 1995 thriller The Net, directed by Erwin Winkler and starring Sandra Bullock as a systems analyst whose life is threatened by cyber terrorists called the Praetorians. What are they called? Praetorians, led by Jeremy Northam. Bullock ends up on the run for her life and safety and protection of, I guess, like the entire world. Sure. Uh, Yeah. And uh, (laughs) on the search for the floppy disk that will allow her to reclaim her identity and protect the hackers from further disrupting governmental systems. Uh, With a sporting cast including Ray McKinnon and Dennis Miller, The Net is a movie directed by the Oscar-winning producer of Rocky that blends the mid-90s fascination with how much of our lives were just beginning to be tied to the internet with a clumsy analogy to the HIV epidemic thrown in for good measure. Because, you know, of course, why not? Um, Really quick, before we get into everything, I do want to add a content warning for suicide because there are some discussions of that in the movie and I assume will be in our conversation as well. We all live in the age of information. We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world and all we can think about is where... Where can I hook up my bottom? Computer analyst Angela Bennett was just doing her job. When she stumbled onto something what is this? she never should have seen. Someone's tapped into the system. How long would it take to track her? Depends on how long she stays online. She has the evidence. She's copied the disc. Have a girl. But they have the power. This summer, Sandra Bullock is caught in the net. Joining us to discuss this movie is someone whose own podcast title directly contradicts the premise of this movie. The host of There Are No Girls on the Internet, chronicling the experiences of marginalized people online and how they shape the internet. She's also the founder and CEO of the mission-driven creative studio Unbossed Creative and has hosted the Stuff Mom Never Told You podcast. She's also taught writing and social change at Howard University. Welcome to the show, Bridget Todd. Oh, I'm so excited to be here to talk about the net with you two. This is like a dream come true. 
this feels like it. This is it. Yeah, this is this is just, this is the end of podcasting. This episode, it's just like we're gonna just do it all. I'm so excited to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us today and for picking. This was when we okay when I pitched the cyberpunk summer season to Cat. I was like the net. Like it was the only and and strange um uh, strange days. Oh, another classic. Those are the, yeah, th- those are the two that I'm like, I am so excited to revisit these movies. So question to start us off, who has already seen The Net prior to the rewatching of The Net? Oh, definitely me. I, I, saw, I saw it when it first came out. So I'm, I, it's, and it's funny, I've rewatched it several times since then. And my Wi-Fi network password is, or a network signal is a reference to the film because I love <laughs> it just that much. Oh my god, what a great cat. Good job. <laughs> Good job with this guest. I'm so excited. Have you seen this before, Cat? This is one of those movies that I feel like I have so much cultural osmosis of this movie, but I don't know if I've actually seen it. Like, I remember bus shelter ads. I remember commercials for the net. I rewatched the trailer and I felt like I could recite it word for word. But I don't know if I've actually seen it. And it was a lot like even watching it and I was like, oh, she's on another boat. Like there's a lot of stuff I didn't expect to happen in this particular movie. Um, but everything that happened in this movie delighted the hell out of me. This is so interesting because like I have no and OK, I grew up in Canada mostly until I was a teenager um, and we got like American media because it obviously we American media colonizes the whole world. And but I don't have this experience at all. It wasn't until like. I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago that someone was like, have you like, you know, have you seen the net? And I'm like, what are you talking about? What? Like, I had no idea what this movie was. And then I watched it like gritting my teeth being like, this is going to be like hackers. Like, let me just like see if it's OK, how, you know, whatever. And I and and I historically am not a fan of like young Sandra Bullock roles. Uh, and I remember watching it and being like, whoa, this movie is so good. So. Having that memory and coming into it again today, um, especially through like watching all these other cyberpunk movies, I'm like it, interesting. You know, like it's it's an interesting second take. Um, the thing I remember the most about this movie, and we will absolutely get into this, is I remember she ordered a pizza oh. on her computer <laughs> and being like, holy shit, like that was so above and beyond its time um, and being like, that's so cool. And as I re, it was kind of the only thing I remembered about this movie. And as I rewatched it yesterday, I was like, oh, this is like two seconds of the movie. And to <laughs> me, it was like a 30 minute montage. And then my friend I watched it with, he only remembered like a computer on a beach. Like that's mm. the only memory he had of it. So we both went into it kind of new, but I had this like warmth towards it, you know? And like, this is a movie that I feel like we could go. And we will. Like, we're going to talk about all the silly stuff watching this in 2022. But, like, there's also some kind of intense stuff that especially the two of you, I'm very interested to hear. Like, you know, Bridget, you've seen this movie a number of times. I'd love it if you could talk to us a little bit about, like, well, the genesis of your podcast and also, like, how we talk about women on the Internet. It was definitely part of this movie that she's the only female or like she has come out as being a woman hacker in this forum and the way that she's targeted I was like this is surprisingly prescient like this movie thinks it's going to be about can you imagine you can go to pizza.net to order a pizza wow barcodes but it ends up being about like a woman on the internet is victimized yes. <laughs> and, like that's kind of that is also not what I remembered or expected to be focusing on yeah, I remember watching this when I was just a young a young kid and you know, I was fascinated with computers and technology, but I I wouldn't have thought of myself as like a woman on the internet just yet. And the thing that I feel like the movie there's kind of this like overlay of women have no place on the internet and if they are on the internet, they're about to get victimized, they're about to be targeted or that it's just not healthy. I feel like that's the sort of subtext of Angela Bennett's life is that she's not healthy. She's a loner. She doesn't have a lot of relationships in the meat space other than (laughs) Dennis Miller, who like, despite the fact that he's like obnoxious, part of me is like, oh, he doesn't seem so bad. Like, I don't know. Such good (laughs) casting for that character. Like they could not have picked a better actor to portray that her, her like therapist slash 
maybe love interest. Sleazeball. Like, oh, oh. I like as soon as he came on screen, I was like, oh, God, this is so good. When I kept thinking, who's the dentist that's in Demolition Man? That's like the underground dentist. He was in Rescue oh. Me. Redhead. Oh, um, the comedian. What is his name? Oh, my God. Dennis Leary. <laughs> Dennis Leary. I kept being like, oh, yeah, like the this is another Dennis Leary, Sandra Bullock, 90s. And then I was like, oh, no, no, no. This is this guy. I totally forgot. But OK, you're like on the Internet, but you're not thinking my identity on the Internet. Exactly. And yeah, I think the way that they portray the Internet as something that as a force in Angela's life that keeps her from like living a real life, mm-hmm. um, I think really it, it sort of made the film on its face a bit of a, a kind of cautionary tale, I would say. Um, like I remember watching it with my parents. My parents were like, that dang Internet. Like they really mm-hmm. they really saw it as like what can happen when young women get caught up in the the scary world of the net. And so I think that a lot of folks, when this was first coming out in the 90s, really saw it as like a like a cautionary, like watch out kind of tale. And I mean, I know we'll get there, but by the end of the movie, she's planting, she's like having more experiences in the real mm. world. And you're meant to be like, oh, she went through a journey where she realized that the internet isn't as safe as you think it will be. Right, right. Yeah, it's definitely like the hot chick hacker, right? Like, you know that they felt like they were being subversive and, like, this is also a part of the the period in the 90s where women were allowed to sort of be action heroes in some way or do things that were traditionally male hero roles uh, in in a much more mainstream way than we had in, like, you know, the 70s. You would have, like, the sort of ladies superheroes like the bionic woman and wonder woman but they you know just kind of spun around in circles um but in the 90s we got like um was charlie's angels in the 90s i feel like there's the that this whole thread of like you can be really hot and kick ass at the same time so you yeah. have to be sexualized right and so i think there's something interesting here where you're like I don't really buy that this like hot movie star who looks perfect on the beach in a bikini is also this like big loner. Like she doesn't (laughs) really quite sell it. And I feel like that's, it's not even a problem for me because there's so many problems with this movie, but it does feel very much of its time in terms of how it was cast, who this character is, like the, the, the types of roles women could get that were breaking out of the mold around this time. Um, even though we can look back and be like, wow, this is tropey as fuck. Well, yeah, oh, and the absolutely. fact that Jeremy Northam is like his own honey trap and he's like, king hacker and like that guy looks like yeah he looks like he'd have a yacht and he'd be having like his name parties is jack devlin (laughs) could he be the bad guy maybe i don't know (laughs) yeah he's like no one in the like not that movies not that you have like in the dream world especially early days like all kinds of people were online it wasn't just like you know like the what we would refer to as the archetype of the basement dwelling nerd or what have you, um, which is part of the gatekeeping that has kept women and non-binary folks out of gaming and tech spaces, really, even though you don't know who was behind the avatar on your screen growing up. Um, this is very much Hollywood casting. Yeah. You know, like, like we give them something good to look at kind of energy. You Definitely. know who's behind the avatar if they print it out and tape it to their mailbox like a <laughs> cyberbot did. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying. I was like, you know what? I as I like both pointed it out, I was like, I am here for the practical effects and the like the nods to the storytelling, like the director being like, okay, well, we got to tell them, you know, because they might have forgotten who this is and what we're doing. Because this movie is so bad. Like, <laughs> look, I love it. I'm gonna come out and like I even after I finished watching it, I was like, okay, this is not as good as I remember, but I still think it's like pretty fucking fantastic. It went, it's had to have gone through hella notes because like things don't make sense. Like there's no through threads. Like in my notes I wrote, this is a don't ask questions movie. <laughs> because every time I ask a question, it's like you can't answer that. Like why is he trying to kill her? Why didn't she tell him that the disc was destroyed when he tried to kill her the first time? And then at the end of the movie, she says, the only person I told the disc was destroyed to was Jack. And you're like, but you didn't. Because I remember making a comment like three times about why she didn't just say that the disc was fucking destroyed. Um, and then when we get it to the whole like Illuminati hacker anonymous energy 
uh, there, I have more questions that I think are very important to, <laughs> to bring up. But it really is like somebody came through and kind of destroyed probably what was a more cohesive, cohesive script I, is, is the energy I get from this movie. Yeah, it gives big notes energy. And <laughs> it's definitely one of those movies that like, don't overthink it. A lot of the tech, to, to your point, like a lot of the technology terms that are being thrown away, thrown around in the film, I'm like, is that even a thing? Or like, are they just assuming that the audience doesn't know too much about what they're suggesting is happening right now? Okay, so I think tech and tech representation is a huge part of this podcast series, right? Um, we just watched Tron, so we're, the next episode that comes out is going to be about Tron. So, like, the tech language in a movie from the 80s is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, in this one, I was actually like, first of all, she's on a Mac, which I think is really cool mm-hmm. um, because early day Macs weren't, like, uh, popular. Um and also, I loved all the on-screen stuff. Like, I thought that the way they represented, like, the web pages and, like, with all of the ways that you need to make it interesting still felt a little more, I'm going to say very hesitantly, a little more authentic. But also, like, I liked the way they did that visual representation. Like, the Mozart's... Um, Mozart's ghost. Yeah, so, like, this all... this the whole This whole story starts because you can click a pie symbol oh and then all of a sudden you've gotten, like, all of the information that you need, like, the secret information or whatever. But that Mozart's ghost, like, the internet's greatest rock band or whatever, like, dude, there were sites like that. Like, not that much, right? This is clearly a... Um, clearly, uh, you know, made for TV, like, made for movies, so it looks more interesting. But, like... We had weird shit like that, and it felt yeah. very um, nostalgic to it's me. It's better than some of the interfaces that they put today in, like, TV <laughs> when they're supposed to be Googling, but they can't say Google, and it's like, you know, Mr. Search. And I'm like, what? Like, what? Why is this so bad looking? Or, like, phone screens <laughs> that they've Search. fixed in post oh my all gosh. look terrible. And I was like, this looks like they really built this site, and they just filmed it. Like, my, yeah, my favorite example of that is the music video for that Kelly Rowland and Nelly oh, song where yes. she's trying to text him, but it's it's Microsoft Excel. <laughs> <laughs> they just like, for some reason, superimposed an image of Microsoft Excel into her two way, her Motorola two way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you pointed out like this film is definitely trying to say something. It's trying to say something about the future we were on the precipice of in 1995 where everything was being scanned and that, you know, at a hospital, your record isn't just on a clipboard. It's uh, susceptible to hacking. And, like, this is true. And this, you know, I I remember when Homeland did, like, somebody hacked a pacemaker. And I thought, like, oh, okay. Like, I haven't seen that in a movie before. I also... I don't know what to say about what the movie was trying to say about AIDS, but it definitely was trying to say something about AIDS. Like the apple that the guy eats is like a Turing reference. And then that, as we know, is like the apple, the reason why Macintosh like uses the apple logo as well. But I just felt like it was such a clumsy version of like, what if computer and human have virus like not really (laughs) knowing where to go with it but just like ew we're in a world where there's like a big scary virus and that's also what's going to happen next with this internet world www.pizza.net yeah i thought about this all day and i think (laughs) so i i agree with you that it's like very clumsy. Whatever they're trying to say about AIDS and computers is very clumsy. But I think they are trying to say something about the way that sexually transmitted diseases in the 90s and sort of our anxiety around them really came from in-person human connection, right? And Mm. so, you know, humans being together physically. And Angela is somebody who, because of the internet, she doesn't really have a lot of that in her life. She doesn't have a lot of you know, arenas in her life where she can be physically present with people. And so I think they're trying to sort of highlight these two different anxieties. One, Mm. the anxiety around, you know, you know, sexually transmitted diseases as an outcome of interpersonal IRL commingling. And then all of the things that happen when you go the other direction and avoid that. And so you're like, oh, I'm only doing I'm only meeting people on the Internet, but there's still viruses, you know, like. (laughs) Oh, my God, that is. 
Yeah, I was like, look, okay, listeners, viewers, however you're engaging with this material, none of that is is like in the movie, but like, yes, like that, I'm like, thank you for that analysis because, yeah, great. I mean, to be clear, I had to go back and read the Wikipedia plot summary just to make sure I like understood what the hell was happening in this movie, just plot wise, because it's so clunky. Yeah, I think that there's something interesting around... Uh, like halfway through the movie, you get these monologues from Angela about like techno fear, right? She becomes the audience character in some. I mean, she is kind of the audience character the whole time, um, where she goes on these monologues about how like everything's online and it can all be corrupted and like we put everything online and how dangerous is that and blah blah blah. Type old tale as old as internet, <laughs> um, but. It felt really dissonant that she was the one giving those monologues because, look, so before social media, I think social media has really kind of warped our sense of like connection and what that means. And like it can be very unsatisfying, but also whatever, whatever. Um, You know, when I was a teenager and I decided that uh, I didn't like any of my friends anymore, I spent a year basically only having friends online. And that was really and like I built goofy websites and fan pages and like we would literally mail things to each other. And like my that was how I was feeling connected to people because I wasn't enjoying my high school life. Um, And I feel like for Angela, you know, her life isn't bad. And I you know, like she has these connections in this relationship. And like I, I wanted a little bit more value in like it's not just like. Like, she's such a loner, and that's how they could devastate her life. But also, like, these relationships aren't nothing, right? Yeah. They're not all fake, and they're not all fishing, and they're not all trying to, like, get one up over her. So, like, I just, I don't need the, I don't need the movie to say that explicitly, but I didn't need her to be the voice of the techno fear either, right? Yeah. I mean, Cyber Bob was, was willing to meet with her IRL and was murdered trying to help her, like, like, risked his life to help her like these you know she logs on to her I guess it's like a chat room and everybody's like oh you're one of us you're one of us like she has meaningful connections and I mean I I remember watching the movie when I was young and thinking her life seemed really cool she turns on a a a, a fireplace on her computer like it seemed really cool and it does seem like the movie kind of doesn't do a great job of showing that those those connections were genuine and meaningful you're meant to be like oh what an empty life yeah like there's it also kind of is setting up its own drama so the fact that none of her neighbors know her it's even a little it's a little gross that the deal with her mom is that she has alzheimer's so she doesn't remember her but she's the only person who might and it's like it just seems patently untrue. Like, she has co-workers. She's a remote worker. But, like, that other guy was killed, too, because he f- was going to fly his own private plane to, like, come give her the information. Um, but it, I think because there aren't, like, enough characters in this story, like, maybe that's why they just were, like, she has to be the one to say it. But, yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. And it's it, – the whole – her being a loner is is why they can do this to her and creates the tension and the main source of conflict. So they kind of have to do that, I guess, if you're going to stick to the story, um, which kind of brings us to the p- patri- Patroni, Pitine, the <laughs> Praetorians. Praetorians. I should have Googled um, who, that. Who are just, they're anonymous, right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, so they are and they aren't. And I'm going to use anonymous as a shorthand here for us to understand, like, internet, uh, like, pre, like, not 4chan. I mean, I know it came out of 4chan, but, like, you know, like, we're going to damn the man energy, right? Yeah. Of, of, and we're going to, like, you know, take websites down and we're going to get you through these networks, right? So it's, it's, they have that kind of energy. Again, using that as a shorthand, I'm not commenting on anonymous. Um, but what I got so confused about, and it took so long for the movie to come around, is that you, the guy who died by suicide, um, you don't know what's going on with that, and you don't know how that's connected to anything. And then you find out that there's this other guy who runs a gateway, who runs this corporation, and it's the security systems that all of, like, the FBI and, like, all of these companies and institutions are starting to use. Yeah, like, everything. Um, And 
And finally, it clicked in my brain, like, a little too late because this movie sucks, is that, like, oh, he runs the, or, like, he contracted or runs this hacker group to create this, to, to create problems in order to fund Gateway, right? To create the fear. So while Angela is talking about techno fear uh, as, like, just an individual, they're not really doing a good job of talking about the institutional, like, right. the manufacturing of fear so that they can sell product. Now, okay, so there's that, right? Which you literally don't figure out until the fucking end of the movie. And you're <laughs> like, what on earth? Um, the thing that really threw me and why I was making the anonymous connection or using that as the shorthand is because there is a moment that is the weirdest fucking moment where Jack Devlin, God bless his cheekbones, says uh, that, that the politician who died um, was homophobic. And so you find out slowly, piece by piece, that that these hackers put like faked his medical records and said that he has AIDS. And so that's why he was. And, and so that's why it was like payment. It was like yeah. comeuppance, right? Like, how dare you be homophobic? So then you have tying in all the like AIDS protests and comments in the background, the two times that it's mentioned. Um, so I'm like, wait, are they for good? Like, why would they do that? Like, are they like and I say for good, like, right. You know what I mean? Like that one line shifted the entire perception of this hacker group that I think is just really a corporate shill. Right? Sorry, that was very long. I just like, I'm still processing this. Totally. And so this is one of the failures. I, mean, I love the movie, but this is one of the failures of the movie that I don't feel like they do a good job of really clearly explaining anything because... As I said, I ch after I watched it last night. I talked about it with my partner this morning. I checked the Wikipedia just to make sure that I like, had all the details. They say that 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 the undersecretary, the guy who who dies by suicide, the reason why they target him is because he was against the idea of what is it, um, gatekeeper getting the contract for all the different like governmental agencies. I had no, literally, I was like, how would I know that? And so yeah. the reason why they did this whole thing of making people believe that he had AIDS and having him die by suicide was because they were trying to rub him out because he was the person who was the holdout for them getting the, the like, all of the government agencies, uh, I guess, like, contract to sell them their digital security software or what have you. This totally, I don't know if they just, like, didn't explain it or if this person on Wikipedia was incorrect, but if, if that is really what they were going for... Totally went over my head, didn't see it, didn't get it, didn't absorb that. But according to Wikipedia, that is why, yeah. Because otherwise it wouldn't, but you're like, like, how are these things related? Like, he was homophobic, so they had to take him out. And it's like, it's a disjointed storytelling, but not stylistically enough to where you're like, ah, this is going to factor in. Like, when she's, I remember being totally surprised. I was like, we're 15 minutes into the movie. She's going on vacation to Mexico. Like, what is where is the story going to be pushed forward? But there's like news footage in the background and there's like all of these things that are happening, but they don't do a very, I mean, I guess, you know, Erwin Winkler like was involved in like Goodfellas and like all of these big, he was a nine time best picture nominee <laughs> as a producer, <laughs> the director of this movie. Um, so it was like trying to be this kind of almost like a political thriller, but it just doesn't know enough I think how to talk about the internet or like how to portray it which nobody in Hollywood did at the time but there's also there's so much about the fact that this is a woman that is our main character I mean not just the like she's hot and it's cool to see like this lady's so hot but she can't even get a date because her standards are too high, question mark. Like that whole line about Captain America meets Albert Schweitzer, who I, I wrote it all down, butch, beautiful, brilliant, which I was like, isn't that what everybody wants? Butch, beautiful, and brilliant? Like, <laughs> the three Bs. <laughs> yeah. um, but there is a lot of. Like, also, sorry, I was so I was like, OK, they're clearly going for the alliteration and that's yeah. why they used butch. But like, that's such a weird term to use outside of queer yeah. spaces to yeah. just describe like cis dudes. I was just like, OK, like, I know what you're getting at, but you literally this was just because you wanted to to have some flower to your language. Yeah, I was like, butch, beautiful, brilliant, like yeah. Linda Hamilton, of course. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. You know? But um, but there is like also so much about the. 
I don't know, I, I, like the, the internet has infected my vocabulary enough to where I don't know if I'm using terminology correctly anymore, but the like gaslighting side of everything that she says is called into question. And if this were a male hacker character, like there would be something about like, he's just a crazy guy, but because it's a woman and she's isolated, I do feel like there is so much that like taps into my personal fear and vulnerability watching this. Like, well, if I'm in the hospital and I tell you something and you don't believe me, that is highly dangerous. And that is, um, that now we can, let's talk about Dennis Miller for a second, because the line that upset me the most in this movie. So Dennis Miller is her ex-boyfriend and ex-therapist. I got the sense. Yes. Yes. Which is very unethical. But he's yes. okay. He's helping her out. Which is, sorry, hold on. Which is why I was like, this is great casting because yes. she's such a desperate loner that the little bit of attention that she got from her therapist, she oh. was like, I guess I love you now. And yeah. then he's so smarmy that you're like, oh, he would have taken advantage of that for sure. So like, right. that was, yeah, great. So he's helping her out. He thinks she's probably not, doesn't quite have the story right, but he's helping her out because he cares about her. And that's where we're at until he starts to realize that everything she's saying, there's starting to be evidence. And he says, you know what's frightening me is I'm starting to think you're not delusional. And that just fucked me up. <laughs> it's like to be like, you're afraid that the thing I'm saying is true is actually true. You were you were happier with it when you thought I was off my rocker. Oof. That was really like that just said a lot to me about like paranoia and this kind of thing that you know, we've seen this in thrillers since like the 60s and, and earlier, but to have it in this internet space and like, if you tell somebody something happened to you on the internet, why should they believe you? Which some of us have experienced mm -hmm. a lot of in these contemporary times. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say, so that was very smart and um, so much more interesting than what I'm going to say, is I thought you were going to say that the thing that freaked you out the most was that he offered to put her mother into a state sanitarium. And she was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. And, then, and then they do it again. And I like, I kind of screamed at the TV being like, in what planet does that sound like a good idea? Like what? Sorry. I mean, that was also a question I had. I mean, I don't know how it works. He was like, oh, yeah, I'll put her in a state, a state sanitarium. I'll say I want her there for observation. I don't believe that he is her mother's doctor. So any, <laughs> so any doctor anywhere can be like, oh, yeah, this patient, I need to move to a state facility for observation. No, I'm not her doctor. Why do you ask? Which, <laughs> the only reason that line was in there was so that Jack Devlin could be like, well, I got to get to her before she moves instead of just like going after her because that isn't enough like they're just like building all this like weird conflict that you're like <laughs> okay good it's fine dennis miller's killed right or does he survive he's killed I he's think. killed yeah she like he, he gets him. the pills and then he's he, hospitalized and then he goes in and kills him but there's that yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole thing with the iv and shit mm. and then and then she's like even when he's in the hospital she's like well maybe we could lay together in the future and you're like what the <laughs> fuck is happening here why would you think that uh okay so one thing that i um was disappointed at and i actually am thinking now about what you were saying bridget about how like she makes more connections with people th forced through this this turmoil that she's going through which by the way we haven't said like i think something it, this is like a not good version of the fugitive right mm -hmm. like it's it's got that energy that I think I find very appealing of like I, at every point she, I, me as a female viewer of this I'm like oh my god this is horrifying oh my god what would I do how would you get out of this like right. what would have you know like I think there's something I think that piece of it was effective for me but I wanted more like of her using her intelligence to hack her way into her solutions like at some point she steals a BMW which whatever, maybe she had a BMW and she parked it in the BMW parking lot and that so that she could look like she was hiding, but wasn't. But like she stole that fucking car, right? And like to steal that car, it was probably a car that was like technologically savvy of some point, at some point. And I would have liked to see how she did that. Mm -hmm. You know, like she she just she doesn't really use her skills very much um, 
just at the very end, really. Like, sh- once she's on the run from the from her trip to Mexico, I feel like it's not really until she tries to infiltrate her imposter's desk at her computer, which why would she have a desk at the office if the real Angela Bennett was always a remote worker? But right. Like, it's not until that moment where she's like, all right, I'm going to, like, hack my way out of this. Like, <laughs> Which was great. When they both were on, I loved this, the, that ending in the, like, that was a great part of this movie. But when both Angelas are um, at, like, their computers, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to have a hack off. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. And then they don't. And I was like, God damn it. Yeah. That's disappointing. But I still do appreciate that she, like, there was the callback to the, the the escape button virus, and you're like, hell yeah, you planted a virus on this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I loved that scene where they're they're all in their cubicles, and so they're doing that kind of like uh, groundhog thing where they're sort of peering up a- <laughs> across the it. divider. There is one thing that like when I watched this yesterday, I was like, why are they saying this? Um, when she goes into the office, they're doing an announcement where it's like, attention, all staffers. Just so you know, the the booth for our convention is on the left side of the convention center. And I was like, why would they be making an all-staff announcement over the loudspeaker? But then it's because, oh, the, the audience is going to say when she goes to the convention, how does she know where the booth is? It's uh. because conveniently they made that all-staff loudspeaker announcement about where the booth was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's funny. I... I've been to many conferences at the Moscone Center, and I was like, what up, Moscone Center? And I love that you're just like, oh, conveniently, there's just like a computer conference happening across the street from their office in downtown San Francisco. <laughs> and then you're like, and then you remember that they made that announcement. And Because I remember also being like, why would you make that announcement? Just send an email. Yeah. Like, even at that time, like, you would just send an email about that or like a memo to whatever on the fridge of the kitchen. Um, This... There was t- uh, two more things I wanted to bring up. Did any? I feel like this is a game I made up in my mind. Did anyone else play Not Prawn? Which was, ugh, I I definitely made it up. It's a like a um, Berenstain Bears thing. Are you but feeling was, like Angela right now? Like, no, that doesn't uh, exist. Are you? What are you talking about? That's never existed. Uh, no, I am the real Angela Bennett. Your name. Your like, name is Ruth Marks. Yeah, <laughs> it was like this game in the early two thousands where. It was the first time I remember as like a, I don't know, a lay person. I'd been on the on the internet, but where in order to advance to the next level of the game, you would have to like go into the developer tools and change something and then it would take you to the next page. And I felt like it was a really kind of good entry point for learning about like HTML and like how these things work and beyond just like changing your mouse on MySpace to like have a a trail of little toasters or whatever. Um, (laughs) But uh, the clicking the pie symbol in the right in the corner was like very reminiscent to me of those kind of early like, oh, yeah, this is just a website. But here's the like secret thing for cool people who can find the. But the fact that in this movie she had to narrate everything because that's how movies like this work made it feel so stupid <laughs> where she was like he wants to meet IRL in real life oh oh this symbol looks familiar mm. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> just click just click it like <laughs> I'll get it I'll get that you're clicking and you're going to the next place when the movie ends over the credits there's a little pie and then the click and then the credits run or whatever and I was like oh man if they make this movie today like I want an interactive piece where we can actually like yeah. click on it and like do a whole thing. Uh, I do want to mention that they uh, she's playing Wolfenstein 3D but the guy on the phone that she's talking to with her colleague is like it, I, I wrote it down somewhere but it was like the, mo- the most bloody game that's ever been made or whatever. <laughs> and it was just really funny because this is also when um, 3D first-person shooters w- came out, right? And it, like Doom and Wolfenstein 3D, and like it was such a big deal. So like that kind of reference also super dates this movie into when it came out and some of the like the fears of the growth of technology, right? Yeah. And there was one big missed opportunity in this chase scene at the end where the imposter Angela Bennett gets shot. Like you see a woman kind of run past and get shot and fall down. And then you go and realize, oh, it's the it's the fake Angela Bennett. She's dead. 
I, I was like, holy shit, this movie is about to make be my favorite movie of all time. I thought Sandra Bullock was going to pull like a floppy disk out of her bra with like a bullet stuck in it. And I was like, oh my God. I was like just imagining this is going to be so good. And then I like, obviously that didn't happen. And What a disappointment. Wouldn't work, but would have been really cool. All right. Here, here are my random mishmash. Uh, one, she has anchovies on her pizza, so she's clearly the best person ever because anchovies <laughs> on pizza are amazing. And I was like, yes, woman, thank you. Um, okay, two, why does she have her name written on her fridge? Uh, oh, I noticed she forget that. her name is really bizarre. In um, like magnetic poetry. Like it looked like those little magnetic poetry things spelling it out. But like... The size of the freezer. Like, it was, like, huge. Like, it was, like, it's not just, like, Angela. Like, it was written out with, like, 20 poetry words for one letter. It was wild. Um, The next question, so, okay, this is actually a question, not just an observation. Remember when they're in Mexico and she's cold, and instead of giving her his jacket, he pulls out, like, a napkin or, like, a handkerchief, and he ties it around her waist and like cool look like I was into it I was like this kind of works it's kind of fun but what piece of garment is that because it's not a scarf and it's not a napkin like what the fuck is that and even weirder when she gets out of the hospital and she's wearing her same clothes she's just you realize she's just got that shirt tied up so she could have untied the blouse (laughs) and had it covering her abdomen okay I was wondering about that because I was I had that same thought and I was like oh this must be a different shirt because I may, I also was like, she could have just untied her shirt. Like, I don't understand what's happening here. That, that <laughs> oh, was... but no, but she does have new clothes because the skanky fucking therapist brings his wife's clothes to her, remember? Oh. Amy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and they fit her perfectly. Thank so that's goodness. not creepy at all. <laughs> no, that was definitely the moment where, like, if you're on a date or whatever and they tied a, a handkerchief around your midriff, like, Run, go, go to, do not go to a no, second no, no, location. No, 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 no. <laughs> go to a boat in the dark, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. And I love, <laughs> I love that. Oh my God, I love this movie so much. Okay, we're just evolving into like the little things. I love this movie so much. So he puts on the boat, he puts the gun in his jacket and then she like hugs him and gropes him and doesn't feel this gun. <laughs> what the fuck? <sighs> Truly. I love this movie. I it's so it's not good, but it has so much heart. And like there's just something about it that's like not quite enough to be like, wow, this is garbage trash and I never want to see this again. I can't believe I wasted my time. No, it's deeply watchable. Like I it's would put so this on. watchable. Yeah. It's so I mean, I will watch this movie again. That yeah. will happen, you know? But it's not good. Like it's so flawed, but wonderful. Yeah, it's not good. I think that you're onto something about sort of it being of an era. I feel like, you know, the movie Speed had just come out a year before, which is another Sandra Still good. Bo- Still good. Still, Still good. Up. Still good. Still holds up. I think we just wanted kind of action-packed thrillers with hot women as the lead, but like, but movies that you don't really want to ask too many questions about because if you do, it falls apart. I think that that was what we were about in the 90s watchable thrillers that, you know, you don't really need to think too hard about. And Kat, I think you're right in that, like, these movies are kind of of a time, right? Like, something I was thinking about um, that we don't need to get into, but is like, what is cyberpunk today? Like, we don't have that. It doesn't look the same. Mm. Um, And I have some thoughts about that that I'll save for the Tron episode. But, like, they don't, like, we don't quite, like, the internet is not quite our entire worlds at this point, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so there is very much a sense of, like, these films are trying to tap into, like, the anxieties and the fears and the, you know, the the transition that is happening societally. And they don't quite know how to show it because sitting on a computer is not interesting cinema, right? Like, staring at a computer. So they're always a little bit absurdist and silly and goofy. And I think with our vantage point today, we can appreciate how goofy that looks but like you all said at the beginning like they still don't know how to show computers today yeah you know like they still don't know how to like show screens because it's not interesting cinema right and that's why shows like i love halt and catch fire um but that is and it's show about technology 
Um, but it's a show about people. The technology doesn't super matter, right? And that's the thing is about these movies, it's about the technology, but they can't really quite do that in a way that's cinematic. I completely agree. I watched a movie recently. I'm gonna I'm not gonna remember the name, but it's about a reporter who was trying to sort of catfish a terrorist and she's like trying to get a profile it might be called profile and the entire movie takes place on a computer screen so she's video chatting with him dming him you know doing text messages with him and it's so boring like it's the premise is very interesting and exciting but there's just i think there's a i'm sure that there are films that do it well but so often even today i feel like when films are trying to represent something happening online it can be done in this way that just feels kind of artless and a little bit boring. Yeah. There's a whole um, episode of a YouTube channel that doesn't uh, run anymore called Every Frame a Painting. And I I hope I'm not confusing things, but I think they did a whole episode about text messaging and mm. how text messaging just looks bad. It just like no matter how anyone does it, it just doesn't look good. And I don't feel that strongly about it, but it is one of those things that like I think every filmmaker is trying to like figure out how to do this in a way that feels OK. My last thought uh, that I just remembered is when, you know, there's these lines about like computers are your whole life. Like, what do you do on the computer? And you're like, what do you need? You know, that kind of energy. And I remember being young and and people, if you knew how to do anything, you just were good at computers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, and that's also this energy of like, if you know anything, like you are good at computers and it doesn't matter if you're like a designer or a web coder or a programmer, <laughs> like all of it's the same shit at this period of time too, you know? Yeah, when I was younger, like I guess like like late high school, I was sort of I mean, I probably thought of myself as Angela Bennett because I knew how to do stuff on MySpace. I knew how to add music to MySpace and make it so that it was impossible to pause. So like, <laughs> oh, you're definitely hearing this Panic at the Disco song and no, you can't <laughs> pause it. <laughs> like, so all my friends thought of me as like like I knew how to burn CDs back when that was a thing. Like, yeah. I knew very basic things on the computer and like fancied myself somebody who was good at computers or like was doing something clandestine when really I was just doing obnoxious things. Um, but you're so right that this movie is of an era that if you knew how to do, if you knew about computers, it kind of, you were, it was easy to think of yourself as a, you know, I guess I'm almost embarrassed. I, I, I owned a pair of fingerless gloves because oh, that's yeah. what I thought hacker, like, Back in the day, we thought hack like hackers had a whole like style. They had a wardrobe, yeah. a look, and I was trying to like mimic my like like base my look on that look. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Who didn't? And just to say, like this movie came out a couple of months after While You Were Sleeping, which was another big Sandra Bullock hit, and like that is the most analog movie I can think of. <laughs> like nothing about the deception that that movie is based on is solved by an AltaVista search or anything. Like, it is just completely in a pre-internet world. And then a couple of months later, we have, like, the net, and we're trying to figure out what this what this world is. And that's why it's so fun to look back at where we were at in 1995. But for now, we will be back to share some freakouts. If you are enjoying our show, please consider supporting it on Patreon. Your monthly or annual tax-deductible gift helps us keep the show running and on the air. By becoming a patron, you're supporting independent feminist media and a nonprofit that's working to end abuse in the games industry. Plus, patrons get a special bonus alongside each episode of the podcast. Of course, we know that not everyone has the means to financially support the show, so... Just taking a moment to give us a star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show can help new listeners find us. We appreciate your support in whatever way you can provide it. Now, back to the show. Now it's time to talk about what's been thrilling us, moving us, upsetting us, or infuriating us recently. Kat, what are your feelings? Oh, too many to list. Um, but I will say I watched the new Father of the Bride, which is, I don't know, like the fifth remake or something of this story. Um, and as a movie to have on HBO Max in the background, it's just lovely. 
But I was really, really digging. Uh, the movie ends with a cover of Daft Punk's Get Lucky that is performed by a mariachi band and a conga band. And I thought that was such a really great way of blending the film's Mexican and Cuban families who are having this wedding. So many movies paint all of Hispanic culture. And I say that like I grew up identifying as Hispanic and then now I'm just like, I don't know what word to use. Just like painting everything with the same brush. And so to have a movie that actually has like an interest in telling the the story of two families who are culturally distinct um, in a way that this movie being made five years ago wouldn't have done that. Um, so it was just really nice to even see like the differences in costume between a mariachi band and a conga band and to show that um, happening in like a really joyful, fun scene. Then I was Googling it because I just wanted to see like, oh, like Daft Punk like doesn't license their music for a lot of movies. And this is like one of the only times they've ever done it. While I was looking it up, I found the best quote from Gloria Estefan, who plays the mom of the bride in this movie. What? <laughs> yeah, okay, I love we, Gloria Estefan. Okay, wait, I, I'm sold. I now need everything you just said. I, we need to, well, okay. Gloria Estefan is, she's the star of this movie. I mean, Andy Garcia is amazing. He's the father of the bride. But like, Gloria brings this like, just, you want more of her. Every time she's on screen, you're like, more, more of this. So in an article that I read about this song like in particular this article was about like this final wedding dance scene that was filmed and how joyous it was during COVID to be doing this big party scene da 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 Gloria Stefan's like listen at a Cuban wedding my song conga would have been playing so it's not quite accurate that that song doesn't play at the wedding in the movie but we didn't want people to be taken out of my character which is why we don't play my song conga at this in the scene in this movie. And I was like, wow, God bless. Like Gloria <laughs> Stefan is 100% right. Like it's rude that every wedding in a movie doesn't play conga, which is like the wedding song you want to hear, but that she was like out of respect for the integrity of my character <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> I was watching it and I wasn't like super into it, but then I kept thinking about the soundtrack and there's like a lot of reggaeton in the soundtrack and just how thoughtfully like music supervised this movie was kind of made me want to watch it again because I was like, that's where you show a lot of like the heart and the culture of the characters um, in between the like my bridesmaid dresses, like kind of, you know, whatever <laughs> scenes that are happening. But um, yeah, Father of the Bride, the new one on HBO Max. I feel like they should have just played the fucking song. <laughs> we know we know who she is. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Well, and it's kind of, it's like right at the beginning of the credits. Like they could have done like at the end of Bend It Like Beckham where everyone just kind of sings to camera. Like they could have just been like, and now here's all the actors and crew singing and dancing to Gloria Stefan, and she's just there like being paid homage. Like I would love that, but yeah. Yeah, all right. Special guest, Bridget Todd. <laughs> what are you freaking out about? Something that I am freaking out about is, so um, folks might know, recently a new Beyonce song dropped called You Won't Break My Soul. And I'm a huge Beyonce fan, so I obviously was excited. But the thing that I'm really freaking out about is, so the song is kind of pays homage to sort of house music and electronic like music that has roots in electronic music and so many people were talking about how you know what a big departure this is for Beyonce and how you know they were comparing it to when she had a country sort of song on Lemonade but so many people were on the internet rushing in to correctly identify that house music electronic music all of that has such deep roots in black culture black queer culture and so I'm really here for this collective moment of education around the ways that Black queer people brought us house music, brought us electronic music, and really have been at the forefront of that music, even though it's not necessarily a genre that a lot of folks necessarily think of as a, a, a Black style of music. It definitely is. And so I'm just really here for this, this, like, I don't know, public education and public reclaiming of something that's ours that we don't always get credit for. I'm a big house music girl, so love those conversations happening. Man, I used to go to house parties in LA when I was younger all the time, like the house clubs. Oh, so good. I, uh, this is funny. So I don't, uh, I don't have any space in my brain 
to really pay attention to a lot anymore. Like I'm just so burnt out at everything that like my my news intake is very limited. Um, and at some point I was looking at Twitter and just everyone's talking about house music. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? I literally, I didn't know until this moment that it was because of this Beyonce song. <laughs> I was just like, I don't have time or energy for this right now. So that's amusing. And I should go should listen to this song. definitely listen to it. And the, the lyric video is the only thing we've seen so far, right? But like when Big Frida mm-hmm. is like commanding you, you... And it's like yes. strobes. Like there, it starts with like a photosensitivity warning for people with epilepsy. The yes. strobes <laughs> on this lyric video while Big Frida is commanding you to move, quit, quit your job, stop, go, <laughs> whatever you say. Anita, what are you freaking out about? I am freaking out about a FX TV show called The Bear. I binged this whole thing in one day. Like, I could not stop watching it. So it is uh, – it's it's labeled as a comedy, and it's not, first of all. It is full drama. Um, also, we already did a suicide warning on this episode, so I uh, am just going to add that here, that there's suicide in it. Um, it. It is not a comedy. It's a drama, but it's 30 minutes. So I think mm. that there's, like, a weird algorithm thing that, like, dramas have to be more than 30 minutes and comedies can only be 30 minutes, whatever. It's about a rising star, like, fine dining chef that comes back to Chicago to take over his family's restaurant after his brother's death. Um, it stars Jeremy Allen White, who I didn't know, but apparently he's known for being on Shameless, which I never watched. Incre- he was sensational, really incredible. Now, I love this show. I think it's not, like... The best it's not it's not like I'm coming out of this being like, holy fuck, this was the best show ever. Like I'm my mind is blown, mm. but I can't stop thinking about it. Like it's so well done. Um, the premise is really interesting. I also like when I see kitchen, like I our listeners know that I care a lot about food, but when I see like kitchen stuff, I'm like, man, in another life I would have worked in a kitchen. Like there's some like I know that they're terrible and like chefs are assholes and but like there's something about the like the loudness and the camaraderie and the just like stay in your lane and do your fucking thing great which I think is also what draws Mm. me to film like production Um, it's the same kind of energy of like everybody's just doing the thing that they do really well in synchronicity right and like there's like a a speed and a magnitude and an energy Mm. to it which I don't separating from my burnout, like fantasy life kind of energy right so um, that I found very appealing right Lots of shots of food, lots of like kitchen stuff. One thing I do want to point out, and I've mentioned this several times on the podcast recently, because like I think that the new sort of like quote unquote diversity model is that you have central white characters and then you have people of color in the cast. So it's not like you can get away with having all white casts anymore, but we're still really centering white people constantly. Um, and I think that if we were in another time where... Um, this wasn't an issue, right? Where like there was a plethora of people of color as main central characters. I would not think anything mm. of this show because it would be fine. Now the main character is white and it revolves around his family. Um, the rest of the cl- cast is almost entirely black people. Like the kitchen is black people. The other kind of main character is a young black woman. And so it's it, there's a lot of like people of color in the show. I just think that like it's worth pointing out that there's still this kind of like it's still about these white people and like their trauma and their drama and like all of these black people coming in to fucking help them mm-hmm. be better, you know, and like save the day. So, you know, that's my biggest caveat. But other than that, I kind of have no notes like the show is just really hit a spot for me. So the bear it's on FX. It's streaming on Hulu. Uh, 30 minute episodes, eight, 30 minutes, eight episodes. Highly recommend. That's cool. I'm gonna have to check it out. Um, and definitely something I was thinking about. I watched the new show Loot on Apple TV Plus. I watched the first Yeah, I episode. mean, I'm, I'm not, there's a lot of <laughs> cast just, members that I really yeah. like, but also like similarly, that's a show where like the fact that the, the A-list chef that's brought in is David Chang. Like there's, there's, a more kind of robust supporting cast in a way where like a show wouldn't have thought to maybe do this two years ago, five years ago. Um, yeah, we'll see where that show goes. I, I like a lot of the cast members, so I'm probably going to stick with it. Yeah. Maya yeah, Rudolph? And it's, yeah, it's Maya Rudolph. So like at least it's starring And Joel Kim Brewster um, and MJ Rodriguez it, are the t- uh, two other leads. 
Yeah. I you know, I watched the first episode. I I will I will probably have nothing to watch one day and watch another episode. Like that it was that it, I put it in that category, but it didn't quite hook me um in the way that yeah, whatever. That's my take on it. Okay, not my freak out. I'll be watching the bear. So that is our show for today. Thank you, Bridget, for joining us. Where can people learn more about you and your podcast? Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a dream. Uh, You can listen to my podcast if you want to hear more about women and queer folks and trans folks and what we're up to on the internet. Check out my podcast. There are no girls on the internet. We're on iHeartRadio. You can find us wherever you get your podcast on. You can follow me on Twitter at Bridget Marie or on Instagram at Bridget Marie in D.C. I'm Anita Sarkeesian, and you can find me at Anita Sarkeesian on all the things. And I'm Kat Spada, and you can find me at Kat underscore EX underscore Machina on Twitter. And be sure to follow Feminist Frequency at FemFreak on all the socials. If you are a Patreon subscriber, be sure to stick around for the bonus episode with our very special guest, Bridget Todd. If you like our show, please help other people find it by subscribing, rating, and commenting on your favorite podcatcher. Thanks so much. Bye.